Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Welcome to another podcast episode. Um, Kim is outside in New Jersey. It looks like a beautiful day. I don't know about you, Kim, but we are in a thunderstorm week. Is that your weather report too? Um, You know what? It has been intermittently stormy here and it was like I felt a few raindrops earlier and the skies are pretty cloudy. So, but it just means I don't have to water the garden if that happens. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> well, I like seeing you outside. It's lovely. So yeah. Kim Collins is our guest today and um, we will introduce her and learn more about the work she does. But uh, it's been a while since I started a podcast episode by reading something with a little bit of my story that relates to a little bit of the work she does. So today, I'm going to start with just a super short um, piece of, you know, something I wrote that I thought was relevant to you and I having a conversation about reproductive health and birth work and abortion and all the things. So thank you for being here. And absolutely, um, let's do this thing. So some of my listeners do know that I was a doula for about three years before I had my son. He's six now, uh, six and a half. And um, that was when I was, after that, I moved into sort of at-home business, like one kind of different trail after another until I landed here, which is a lovely place to land. Um, But that was a really amazing time in my life. It was some of the best years that I had. I had been to home birth midwifery school and um, really studied kind of the birth world for many, many years. Um, Attending births was one of my favorite things. It's still just like, just talking about it makes me a little giddy. So I'm a little Mm -hmm. jealous of Kim that she does this work all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But holding space for families to evolve into that next version of themselves is something that never gets old. It's really, truly magical. And even the longest, most challenging births expanded my heart in ways that no words here could explain. Um, and I know you know that feeling. Absolutely. <laughs> so early in my doula time, this is, this is my confession story. I remember learning that abortion history could impact labor, and I found it fascinating. At that point, I knew very little about abortion beyond the fact that I had picked sides. What I knew was that there were two options, pro-life or pro-choice. One gave women bodily autonomy and one stripped them of their rights. I picked the one that gave women choice. And other than that, I never had an unplanned pregnancy. I never really talked with anyone much about abortion. So here I am as a new doula and wanting to be a good doula, right? Like the good girl (laughs) and a good student. And I absorbed what I learned, and I remember trying to apply it. Well, not trying, I did apply it. Um, 
but I only have one regret in all my dual years. And I think Kim, you've attended like over 600 births or something. I think that's what I just read on your. your over 800, 800 actually. Yeah. My, um, my, I realized that my website is, needs to be updated because it's a couple years old. Yeah. So yeah. Totally. I read that and I was like, I bet it's even more now. So yeah. I, my career is, uh, I maxed out just past 50. Like right. it was a short run. There were months where I was doing three to five births a month, but that was really just toward the end. Mm-hmm. So I have one regret in all my dual years and it's related to our conversation. And it is regarding a prenatal I had with a couple about and I got to this like section of my prenatal, right? Cause I'm new um, when I introduced an opportunity to talk about abortion history. And I wanted so badly to be like open and available and ready to hear their story. I wanted to be again, the good doula. Right. And in doing so, I feel like, again, it's all in my mind, but I feel like I made the whole conversation incredibly awkward. And I remember leaving thinking like, I might as well have just landed face first on their dining room floor. Um, Mm. (laughs) Ironically, that was the only birth the clients didn't call me when they went into labor. I had subsequent prenatals after that. um, And I have no idea if my awkward abortion conversation was the reason they didn't call me. Their birth was fast and beautiful and at home and they didn't need me. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. easily could have been part of it. But my mind likes to wander back all these years later and wonder. And I find it kind of ironic and also divine that my life's work now is in reproductive health and abortion. And it's yeah. evolved into these daily conversations about abortion that are so different than that prenatal. Um, So life's kind of funny like that. You never know exactly where you're headed. And um, despite my messy prenatal mishap, I do know that abortion history can affect future pregnancy, birth, and parenting in profound ways. I see it in my clients and their stories, Um, my now life coaching clients around abortion work. And I'm really just honored to have you here as a co-founder of Mama Arts, which is a busy doula organization, um, reproductive health, all the things. I know that you are a doula, an educator, a counselor, um, and that you have lots more experience than I do in pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So let's just start chatting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm pleased to be here and I can't believe it that means that we have known each other I guess most of the time I think maybe you had had a baby pretty recently or something like that um but we connected you know sort of through the doula world um and um and uh so yeah so it's great to be here today as I was exiting the doula world things were slowing down for me because I had um I had three months on like couch rest. He he wasn't mm-hmm. on birth, but I was on my couch for like three months straight um, in his pregnancy, and that was kind of when my doula career started fizzing. <laughs> like, that was yeah, the wow. At the end, <laughs> um, and then I had three kids at really really different ages that it made it 
And you, yeah. do you have three boys or two? I have three boys. Yeah. Three boys. And yeah. are they similar in age? And did you um, do the work so, when they were little? Um, yeah. So, so my, um, backstory is before I was a doula, I was a lawyer and, yes. um, and went, you know, worked in house and things like that. Um, so I didn't practice law for very long at all, but used my law degree and worked in a more corporate job when, um, my oldest was little. And then, um, for a little bit, you know, sort of through my second pregnancy and a little bit when he was little. And then, um, my kids are older. Um, so one has just graduated college, one is newly in college and one is in high school. And so, um, in 2001, um, I think many people sort of, and I live in the um, New York City area in, in New Jersey, yeah. and I think many people sort of reevaluated their life choices um, in 2001, and I was one of those people. And, um, and in, in thinking about how I wanted to spend, you know, my, my time on this earth and my time, you know, when my kids were little and, and things like that. Um, it, you know, I immediately said, well, if I could do anything, I would be a doula and Aww. things fell into place super, super easily. And, you know, and I kind of never looked back. And so I, my middle son was still pretty little. And I think at the very first birth I ever attended, which was even before I had done a training, I was just sort of starting to, to put feelers out and stuff. Um, I, my husband brought him and I ran outside and nursed my son sort of in the middle of a labor and then went back in. And then I had my, um, my third. So, but my kids are all like 36 months apart. So, um, so more spaced. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think like, like you have the passion for the work you make, you make it work. I did do a couple of births after he was born in that similar scenario of like run out and nurse him and then come back. And, um, at that point things were, were shifting and changing for me. So it didn't feel like a right fit, but I think I just love that you, that you made it happen and you followed your passion. I, when he was born, I had, so he was born at home and one of the midwives had a baby here and the student midwife had a baby as well. So there were two <laughs> infants like at his birth who came with the, you know, with the midwifery crew. So people That's make pretty it work. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah I, I remember, I think the last birth I attended before, which was a couple days before my third was born and, you know, it was a former client who'd reached out and said, Oh, I'm, I'm pregnant again. Um, are you available? And I was like, well, funny thing I'm due right around the same time, but if I'm still pregnant, when you go into labor, I will be there with you. But you know, why don't you have my friend, um, who will be my doula as well? Um, you know, you can think about having her be there. So we were actually there together at a birth. So when we came walking in, was a hospital birth. We came walking in. Um, the nurses were like, "So who's who's here to have a baby?" Um, <laughs> because we were both very, very pregnant. 
So yeah, that's great. Um, I love it. But, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. I, I read a little bit from your bio today and I loved that, you know, as soon as you said that about a lawyer, I thought it was funny when you said, you know, my husband thought he was marrying a fellow lawyer and <laughs> it's no longer the case. <laughs> and then I got clogs and became a doula. Such and... a different lifestyle. So yes. Amazing. And it and it's a family, it's a family lifestyle. You know, it everybody really has to be able to kind of roll with it and you know, and I always say I'm like really super here, you know, um, whereas if I had sort of, you know, a, a normal corporate job, I, I would be around a lot less. But then when I'm not around, I'm really not around. Yeah. And I don't know how long I'm going to be not around for. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it is absolutely yeah. a family profession. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. So I'm curious. Um, do you like what's your take on um reproductive history and how it does and can affect future and we i mean we know that that miscarriage that losses that abortions yes. all affect our emotional well-being and that pregnancy birth postpartum are all very emotional times <laughs> so these waters get stirred back up again so i'd love to just hear your take and your thoughts around, um, you know, most of my listeners are here because of abortion in one way or yeah. another. Um, some will have babies. Some are afraid to have babies now. Some, you know, are there all range of listeners. So let's hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever like taken sort of just the abortion piece, but I, I, I always kind of feel like you know, we're all just a collection of our experiences mm. and, um, you know, and, and, and I also, I've had friends and, and clients and things like that who've had abortions and it was traumatic. And I've had other friends and clients who, you know, it wasn't traumatic at all. It was just the right thing for them to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the same really with any other kind of thing, like, you know, like in childbirth, a lot of times we, um, find it relevant if somebody has a history of, of maybe, you know, some kind of sexual trauma, you know, mm -hmm. rape or, or abuse in some way, or an eating disorder in terms of like just their relationship to their body and things like that. And the same thing, like for some people it shows up and for yeah. other people it doesn't. And, um, and so, you know, there can be somebody who, um, you know, also, so I, many doulas, you know, do like a questionnaire kind of thing, like an intake kind of thing to, um, to serve a few purposes to help us, you know, know some stuff and have it in one place about clients to share, you know, with permission with a backup. So we, you know, who's maybe not meeting that person, but wants to know, you know, sort of a little bit about who they are, but also to hopefully help people reflect upon some things that maybe they hadn't thought about before, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm really careful to ask things in such a way that it's not, um, I don't know, like, like prying or um, 
also, you know, really being aware that it's not my place or scope of practice to sort of open up some deep psychological situation that I'm then not prepared to help somebody navigate necessarily. Mm -hmm. But what I've found telling a lot of times is typically the people who um, have some sort of history, if they just sort of say like, yep, I have this history and have done, you know, done work or it's not an issue for me or whatever, it's usually not. And um, I find that it might, there might be something that's going to show up if people leave certain sections blank. Yeah. Um, true. You know, because yeah. they're just sort of like, they don't really want to go there. Yeah. And I have to, I have to respect that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also I will, a lot of times if somebody does have something in their history that, you know, I think might show up for them, I, you know, obviously it's not my place, but I encourage them to share it with their care provider. Um, so that their care provider can sort of have a holistic picture of what good care to that person might mean mm-hmm. and to be specific about um, anything that might be kind of triggering or bring up old pattern feelings for them. And so, so for instance, you know, a lot of people who have some sort of abuse in their history really, really don't want to hear somebody say the word relax to them because mm-hmm. um, it feels, you know, like now something, you know, bad and out of their control is about yeah, to happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a thing that um, I think can show up, but it also like doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a trauma for people. It's the same with like, I don't know, a cesarean birth. Like there are some people who are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And for a lot of people, they're like, nope, I'm good with it. That, yeah, yeah, you know, totally. I'm, I'm healthy. My baby's healthy. Um, it made sense. I understand why it needed to happen. And so I think, you know, for anybody who works, you know, with, with other people around sort of their story and passages in life and things like that we have to be really aware of not coming to the table with you know sort of our own stuff um and making it about us and our experience and how we would have felt in that situation because it's just not about us yeah absolutely oh my goodness so many good things um i listened to have you listened to that npr um uh was it all th- I, with Terry Gross? Um, I'm yeah. totally blanking. The turn away, the woman who worked on the turnaway study. Um, and there's a oh, new I haven't now called birth, that, right? I haven't heard that one. Okay. Yeah. I will seek it out because I love I, Terry Gross. Yeah. That was new for me. I listened to it yesterday as I was walking. And um, the study is really fascinating. And it, it spoke directly to something you said. And the, the study was done with women who were, um, were, had access to uh, abortion and women who were denied access to abortion because they were just after the cutoff date. Um, and mm. so it's, uh, oh my God, I'm terrible at recalling. But 
I forget how many it's like, I think it's a thousand women over 10 years or something. And yeah. it's just, um, every so many months they check in with these women and see where they're at. And what they find is that in the first six months, there's a huge disparity between the emotional well-being of these women and the women who are right. denied actually have a much harder time than the women who have access mentally. It's like yeah. a much more traumatic experience to be denied. But after six months, it's just like you said, it's like kind of 50, 50, like it affects some women and it doesn't affect others. There's no like, this is how um, this experience is going to affect your mental health forever. This is how right. this reproductive history is going to affect your future births or parenting. It's literally just like the full range and you can't necessarily predict who's going to, who's going to show up and struggle with things in their past right. later. Right. So right. I love that you brought it up in that way. And, um, and I think like for me, the key is just to remember that all emotions are coming from somewhere. So mm. if you have a mama in pregnancy or in birth or postpartum, who's struggling emotionally, that there's no you know, to avoid making assumptions about where that's coming from and just get really curious about the emotions yeah. and like know that it can come from a lot of different places. <laughs> and I think that in my like prenatal early doulaing regret, <laughs> but it's whatever, I was new and I was figuring it out. Like, I think had I followed, like after learning that abortion could have an effect on on pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, and not really understanding it, I could have easily made assumptions that X, Y, and Z were happening because of yeah. that. Yeah. And, and it makes sense. Like, it's kind of just like in the formula that would have made sense. But now, you know, however many, 10 years later or whatever, I guess it's really almost been that. Um, I have a much wider scope of understanding that really it doesn't matter where stuff's coming from. It's like whatever emotion is, is your, your client, your woman, your person is facing, just address that and get curious about it. And you can move through it no matter what the cause. Yeah. And I, if I could for just a second to almost kind of reframe your confessional experience <laughs> at the start of this for sure of you know to just really maybe look back on that with gratitude like it like oh, we yeah. all we all have those moments where you're like ugh I can't I believe know. I said that you know so like I like many people I'm sure I'm really doing some reading and studying and workshopping and stuff around you know sort of um really addressing racism that's within all of yeah. us and what does anti-racism look like and things like that and we all have these cringy moments where we're like oh I I'm just said pretty, that <laughs> pretty sure I've said that to somebody yes. in the past and I just I didn't know I did you know yeah. but now I do know yes. and now I will now that I know I will do better and be shaped by that and humbled 
by that. And, um, you know, and I think, I think maybe you wouldn't be in the place to do the work that you're doing now if there, if that hadn't, that sort of pivotal moment hadn't happened for you. Um, and, um, you know, so that you could sort of, you know, fall flat on your face and then realize like, Hmm, I don't think I handled that well. Yeah. And, um, how could I, how could I do better? Um, and then just the other thing that I thought of when you were talking is I think so many times, not only are we coming, you know, as just because we're human, sometimes with our own preconceptions or our own notions, um, but also we really, you know, like I find many times after the fact, you know, after somebody's had a baby, if they are struggling, if they've, you know, having anxiety or something that um, people really want them to be okay. And mm-hmm. so they ask questions in such a way that sort of shuts down or minimizes, um, you know, people's feelings. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's funny or not funny, but just right before we got on the call, I had someone over for an outside coffee whose husband just passed away and had been sick, you know, with cancer for a few years and, um, and was able to have a really beautiful, nice death at home. Um, but in talking to her and just, you know, um, her sort of saying like, that it just helps so much just to be able to talk about it and not mm-hmm. feel like you have to like make other people feel okay about your experience. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, probably the beauty of what you do with people is you can just be a person to listen and help somebody reflect. And, and as you said, be curious and ask questions, um, you know, so that you can like sort of turn something around and look at it or, or just share this, you know, part of yourself that maybe other people are a little bit afraid, like they don't want to mess up. So they just pretend like it didn't happen or something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I have found my definition of holding space to evolve so beautifully over Mm -hmm. the years. Um, I felt like it was one of the things I really, really shined in, in my doula work. Um, and now it's a similar evolution, but like in a really different way. And it is what you're talking about, which is just like, we're not there to change anything, right? We're not there to, to make a birth go a certain way or yeah. have someone's story feel a certain way. Like, the way we can serve the most is to just hold space for it to be what it is. And like, yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Um, I find that one of the things that women struggle with, I want to say the most, but certainly a lot around abortion and their feelings about it. Um, And I think this is one of the things that I could see coming up a lot around. So my abortion came after my three kids. So I will never know what it's like to, to have a baby after an abortion. 
Um, but right. I, you know, I do know what it's like to have a baby after a miscarriage and it, it definitely impacted the next pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things I see the most is there's so little conversation about abortion um, that especially those of us who are committed to believing we made the right choice, right? Like I absolutely did the right thing by having an abortion because there's so little space to have conversations about these feelings we're talking about. If we have a moment of sad or what would that baby have felt like in my belly or what would that baby have been like in my arms? We think like, if I'm sad or thinking that for even a moment, it must mean I did the wrong thing. And it's so not the case. So right, right. I find that like so many women are surprised. They're like, wait a second. I know I made the right choice. Why am I feeling this? And the answer is like, because you're human. Like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. End of story. Like you can feel whatever you want to feel. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just, it's just another factor of, of life, you know, and like, whether it's like looking back on relationships and saying like, gosh, I can't believe that I was ever with that person or mm. I can't, you know, I can't believe I broke up with that per- or whatever. Um, you know, there's nothing, there's so little in life that's just a hundred percent one way, you know, white or black or, you know, that there's no gray area. Um, you know, so why would abortion be different than that? Right. You know, because we're complex and, you know, and everything has, has, you know, it's, it's pros and cons and, and, you know, and you can look at something and know it's the right decision, but it doesn't mean that it, you know, is without impact in your life necessarily um you know yeah and i think 2020 has really highlighted a lot of the things we're talking about too it's like this pandemic came um and taught us so many lessons about um about how complex it is to be human in the world and um how like being in human relationship with other people and our and our like innate judgments and our beliefs about wanting to be right and do the right thing and all like so stirred so much up. And then after that, we faced these um, racism, anti-racism and systemic racism conversations that asked us again to like go so much deeper than sides. You know, like when I started this podcast, I talked about pro-life, pro-choice. It's like, are you racist or anti-racist? Are you right. um, scientific or woo-woo spiritual? It's like, no, this is, these are the wrong questions. <laughs> There's so much middle ground um, right. and complexity to all of these like obstacles and struggles we face as being human. Um, yeah. So- and I, I mean, I think, um, I think, uh, people want it to be like a no-brainer choice. They want everything to sort of be a no-brainer choice and have there not be, um, you know, any kind of fallout or gray area or feelings or whatever. So a really like sort of much less consequential example 
is so in New Jersey, um, where we're sort of slowly and gradually opening up some things, even as like now numbers are sort of starting to spike again all around the nation and stuff. Um, we have outdoor dining now, right? Mm -hmm. And we were set to start having indoor dining at like much less 25% capacity or something. And they just, it was supposed to happen this week and they just reversed the decision on it. They're like, nope, people are not handling this, this, you know, freedom well and are congregating too much and not being safe. So we can't, you know, open up to the next step. And, um, you know, and people are really upset about that. And some people are like, good, that's the right thing to do. So it's the right thing to do, but it doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge that that's very difficult for restaurant yes. owners and people who work in bars and restaurants. And like, we understand yeah. there are consequences and people are going to have complex feelings about it. And, and there are two competing things of, you know, economic health versus physical health and all of that. And it's, it's, you know, it's heavy stuff, but, um, but I think it's worthwhile to, you know, be open to exploring and, and hearing somebody out. And just because I believe it's the right thing to do, it doesn't mean that I can't hear out the people who have concerns about what it means, you know, to say, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so good. And I feel like, you know, the, the way women have been misled in reproductive health um, for so long is in not following our intuition and our gut and what do we need and where do we want to be and who's safe to give birth around and, you know, yeah. what do I want pregnancy to look like? Um, it, anyone who studied birth culture in the United States in particular knows it's a it's, it's not pretty. It's a, um, there's a lot of beautiful things about birth and a lot of things have been stripped away. And I think so many women have lost touch with their, with their intuition and what they know is right for them. And it's not about like hospital birth or home birth, epidural or no epidural, natural or, you know, whatever. Um, it's about like, what's right for me right now Yeah, with the, resources I have and the situation I'm in. And, um, I'm just really feeling like more and more this year in particular with the pandemic and the breakdown of systemic racism. Um, it is what we're being called back to is like, you, you can't look to people for your answers. You can't look to people to decide what's right and wrong. You can gather information that way, but like right. ultimately only, you know, the way, right, you know, right. when to carry a pregnancy, where to give birth, um, how, whether or not to wear a mask. <laughs> it's like, it, it's, yeah, this calling for us all to come back to our own inner truth and connection to something so much bigger than the media and the debates and the arguments and the politics. Yeah. And just, I think, you know, um, allowing people agency over these important, you know, decisions. And even the way that we talk about it, you know, with the big Supreme Court ruling 
yesterday, all the days like mushed together. I know. Yesterday, I think. Was, yeah. Was it yesterday? About, anyway, this week. <laughs> yes, this week. But it's only Tuesday, so it must have been yesterday. It might have been yesterday. Um, wow. Yeah. Yesterday was a long day. Um, <laughs> the um, Supreme Court ruling, um, you know, that would have very, very, very harshly restricted abortion access in Louisiana. And, um, you know, even just the headlines about it mm-hmm. really frame it in such a way that it's kind of missing the point. And I saw that, like, so this thing had happened and many news organizations chose to post a picture of, you know, quote unquote, pro-life people with their banners and things like that. Um instead of, you know, the people who are advocating for just for people to have choices over this thing that's going to have an enormous impact on their life and their health. And depending on who they are and where they are, we know that Mm -hmm. people who live in very rural areas, in areas where there's not as much health care as needed, and there are so many so just like we know there are food deserts in, in cities and things like that, there are health deserts, you know, all over this country where people don't have access to good care that close by and things like that, yeah. including, you know, um, reproductive health and, and abortion. And so for some of the people who would have been impacted by that, they are also the people that are at four to five times greater likelihood of not coming out of pregnancy alive and whole. Um, Mm. And um, so I thought it was just pretty stunning that, that the people who got, you know, sort of the above the fold headline and picture and stuff are the people who um, want to make choices for, for other people um, Mm. that only impacts those other people. Right. So like, because because I I'm I will say I will be controversial and say I don't put <clears throat> um you know health decisions that impact everyone around you um in the same bucket that I put uh autonomy about you know your own reproductive health um so I'm I'm in the mask pro mask wearing camp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm right there because, with you. <laughs> because I live in a very densely populated area. And, um, you know, and so if mask wearing um, protected the health of the person wearing the mask, then, then great, go for it. But like, we're all in this super interconnected web right now. But in terms of reproductive health and whether or not somebody chooses to become a parent, um, you know, or not um, has lifelong ramifications. And we've seen in our country that um, people don't necessarily have the same passion for um, people who are living beings who are here um, versus just sort of the potential for human life. Um, so until we can take care of people that are here, maybe we should let people decide whether or not to bring people here. Yeah. You bring up so many more things to talk about, um, as there always is, but yeah, it's like at the beginning of the pandemic when people were using the argument 
or not the beginning, the beginning of the mask debate, um, yeah. using my, my body, my choice as a, you know, as a statement of, I don't have to wear the mask was like, oh, just painful. Like to, to turn those things around when they really don't apply to the conversation in the same yeah. way is like, yeah. it's just showing such a disconnect that we all have from the real issues underneath these laws and under, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, underneath, underneath leadership that literally affects like real people's lives. Um, yeah. We never see in the media. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also watched birthright, a war story, which is related to that. Um, to that study I mentioned in that article. Um, and yeah, it's a really fascinating and important look at the effect of these laws on real people and real lives. And like you said, we don't see that in the media pictures. We see, you know, the protesters and the, the lawmakers, right. and the advocates. It's right. like this work is all happening for real people. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and I have friends who um, carry pregnancies to term and placed um, children for adoption when it wasn't really their choice, but they were super young and their families decided for them. Mm -hmm. I have friends who have made their families through adoption, through surrogacy and things like that. And so, you know, there's a role for all of that, you know, and, um, and all of that can be wonderful or really hard um, when there's not, you know, respect for sort of personal agency about yeah. something I think so fundamental, um, you know, so, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining me and um, and having this, this conversation out loud. Because like I said, I think there's just needs to be, or I want there to be more conversations about the complexity around yeah. emotion. And that it does come with feelings and consequences in all the directions. And um, if we can just be okay with that and open yep. it up that, we can all grow a little a little more open in our hearts. <laughs> Absolutely. And if I could just say one final thing, it's, it's to um, put the term out there and maybe it's something that you've talked about on other podcasts or whatever, mm -hmm. but just to know that there are people called full spectrum doulas. Yeah. And, you know, so doulas can really be there for every phase of things. And so there are some people who specialize in sort of dueling someone through um, abortion yeah. um, or other, you know, other, whether that's a, a chosen thing or for health reasons or whatever, um, just like, you know, I know I've dueled people through um, miscarriages and, you know, very late term, you know, losses mm -hmm. and, sort of conceptions and, you know, and then you can doula people who are dying as well. So, yeah, but I just yeah. wanted to put the term full spectrum doula out there 
so that people know that if they decide that they want to have somebody there to kind of walk through it with them and, you know, and bear witness and be support um, if they don't have someone else who they want to fill that role who's able, that that exists. Yeah. I'll make sure in the show notes to connect to, um, there's two other podcasts actually that, that relate to exactly what you're talking about. Um, so I'll make sure to link those up so people who are new listeners can circle back around. Um, and I love, I love that you use the word doula in all life transitions. Um, one thing that I have not yet done is um, hospice work and dueling around death. And I think that that will definitely be a part of my future because it really is just holding that loving space for transformation and transition yeah. in whatever it looks like and all the ways that you just shared. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's super similar. And I would refer you, there's an old, old, um, there's a, I guess, PBS documentary kind of thing that um, is called POV point of view. Mm -hmm. And it was an old one of those. So I don't even know when it's from, but it's um, a documentary on the home death movement, which is very parallel to the home birth movement. And it's called a family undertaking. Mm. Um, And um, yeah, so it's really fascinating. And then, you know, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I was there for my, my mom's passing and, um, and just that there are so many, um, similarities between birth and a baby kind of coming online and Mm -hmm. death and a body kind of going offline in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, just physical things and things like that. So it's all kind of connected, I think, and fascinating and joyful and painful and all of that, like all the rest of life. Yeah. All right. I will find that and link it up too, because I definitely have not seen that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, Okay. So people, I already like grabbed a couple links, but um, people can, is the best place to find more about you, um, mamaarts.com? Yeah. Um, Or is there a better place? So mamaarts.com, but I will say like our email there is notoriously wonky. Um, and so just my, you know, email I can give to you and you can put in the links or whatever. Okay. Um, and then just Instagram, Facebook is all like at mama arts, which yep. is mama with two M's. Yep. Um, arts. Um, so yeah, so that's the way to find me. Cool. And for any listeners who happen to be in New Jersey, what area are you in in case they're looking for a doula? <laughs> yeah. So I serve sort of an hour radius. So I'm in Essex County, like yeah. Northern New Jersey. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so I serve, you know, sort of an hour in any direction. So that mm-hmm. includes New York City and a little bit West, a little bit South, cool. a little bit North. So yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for your time. And um, I look forward to sharing this with everybody. Absolutely. It was great to talk with you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion.
If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.